0: Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen
1: and Hayden Bow.
0: And today we discuss one of the most controversial topics in the powerlifting industry as of right now. Thank you to Johnny Candido to bringing this up to light. Today we discuss whether or not the exaggerated arch in the bench press should be taken out of competitions as a standard uh, we talk about what his points are the points that he brought up and what he thinks what Johnny thinks the recommendations are the changes should be moving forward and then Hayden and I have a very heated discussion about what each of us thinks of this issue and what do we propose are some of the alternatives that we can take in order to continue progressing the sport further. This podcast episode is brought to you by our friends over at Stay Classy Meats. You can get ten percent off your order with the code HYBRID in all caps. Stay Classy Meats is an athlete-focused company. They know what's up. They know we require the best quality protein. They curate quality specialty meats from small batch ranchers and processors across northern Rockies, and they deliver them straight to your door. I personally love it. The meat quality is amazing, and they have some really interesting and delicious cuts like elk and bison and really high quality New York strip steaks and tenderloins and really anything else that you want. Wagyu. Wagyu. You know what I love about them too? They're uh, dried meats, like the uh, jerkies.
1: Oh yeah. Those are great.
0: Yeah. Those are amazing. So if you place an order, make sure to add some beef jerky in there because they're honestly so good. The uh, spicy one with the cranberries. That's so good.
1: Those are, yeah, they're the best.
0: Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. As always, make sure to tag us at Hybrid Unlimited when you listen to the podcast. I'm also interested to hear your guys' opinions. So if you can tag us and maybe write a little bit, a little something.
1: Yeah, tell us why Steffi's wrong and I'm right. Oh
0: my god, stop that! Anyway, sit back, enjoy the podcast. Let's get this started, huh? Let's get this started in here.
1: You know that the original. Wow, my
0: voice sounds great in these headphones.
1: Oh, well, yeah, I think your voice just sounds great.
0: <laughs> you don't um, say that when I'm singing in the shower and you're like, Can you please just stop that?
1: That's just a duration issue. I like getting a taste of, of your nice singing voice, but like if you're singing for five minutes straight, kind of limits my ability to
0: That's pretty messed do up. Do other mess.
1: things that entertain me. Like be on Instagram. Like-
0: how, how is my singing interrupt your ability to be on Instagram?
1: Well, like let's say I'm watching a UFC interview. And all of a sudden you you start singing, let's get it started. Ha! Ah, really loud. Uh-huh. It, I'm I'm missing stuff.
0: No, it's a, an angelical voice. You should be, <laughs> you sh- honestly should be honored.
1: All right, all right. I'll try to take that perspective into account next okay. time. <laughs>
0: cool. I'm glad we started that out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we're kind of going back to our roots on this episode because I feel like we haven't really talked about super, uh, in-depth powerlifting stuff in a while. Yeah. So we're bringing it back. The powerlifting world is having a giant general discussion. Like this is a common theme. They're always talking about, uh, the free conch.
0: Everybody's (laughs) entitled to their own opinion.
1: It is a free conch. Uh, But it's a common theme that we talk about arch and whether or not that should be allowed. It's always a contentious topic. Um, Candido just put out a video recently on his opinion. Uh, and every once in a while he sort of comes, comes out with something that breaks the powerlifting internet. And now this is it. Everyone's talking about his opinion. There's been some reactions to it. So a lot of this podcast is going to be us talking about bench arch, our opinions on it, uh, and whether or not we really agree with Candido and also Sean Noriega, who was uh, featured in that video as well. So. Should we break down the initial video? What his points of view were? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so he had a few. The first one was: if you go to the IPF website, it says uh, this one. This I actually agree with. He's he's talking about, or it talks about what they're testing for, what their mission is. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned two things. One, they mentioned that they're testing specifically for strength. So this is the sport of strength, okay? Yeah. Exclusively, they have no other mention. What they're testing for is the limits of human strength. Mm-hmm. The other thing that they use in their marketing is powerlifting's transferability to other sports. So building But a you're
0: gym. talking strictly about the IPF.
1: Right, which is, I mean, I, th- I think-
0: I've honestly never seen that marketing. Where, where is that?
1: It's on their homepage and in their mission. Okay. So, those are values that they claim to be important to them uh, in terms of what they're trying to represent with their athletic body. Okay. So, um, yeah. So the so I guess his two issues were one, if you're going to talk about transferability, then that type of bench press is not doesn't really fall in line with any sort of application outside of powerlifting. Like if you're trying to train for absolute strength for football or whatever other sport, you're not going to try to limit the range of motion as much as possible to make the lift as easy as possible. You're going to actually do the opposite. You want to make the lift as challenging as possible so you can stimulate the most adaptation through with strength and growth, right? Second point being-
0: But uh, that is why powerlifting, it's its own sport.
1: Like just Yeah, I understand that. So, I'm, I'm talking about the values held by the IPF. This okay. is something they use in their language.
0: We still haven't started uh, discussing the d- dispute?
1: No, I'm okay. just giving Candido's arguments so far. right, let's far. go. So <clears throat> the second point being that what they're testing for is strength, right? And as soon as you start mixing in things like extreme mobility, now what you're testing for is not only just strength, but you're testing and rewarding those who have the you know extreme thoracic mobility. Right? And if what they're saying is not that we are testing for strength and mobility, then they should refine what that language. They should change their mission. Or they should they should have their uh, regulations reflect what their mission is. Or they should change what their mission is. If you want to test for mobility, that's fine. But that's what you should be telling people you're testing for. So, those are the first things. Um, Then, his solution was he he made a few points about how, if you look, he actually used Sean Noriega as the example. And if you look at his arch and and then manipulate with different types of grip, it shows that actually the way that he grips the bar is what makes the biggest difference in his range of motion, not necessarily the arch. And they also compared uh, an Asian lifter. Uh, I can't remember exactly what country they're from to Russell or he mm-hmm. compared that they had very similar arches, but Russell's bench would be considered more a bench of true like brute strength because of his range of motion, because of the way he's gripping the bar versus the other guy where it really looks like it's an exaggerated uh, range of motion because of. Or uh sorry, a limited range of motion because his grip is different. And they're saying those things are excess internal rotation of the shoulders.
0: And excess wrist extension.
1: And excess wrist extension. Mm-hmm. So his solution was to limit grip width by weight class. So if you're in the 74 kilo weight class, then maybe you can only have your uh pinkies on the, the rings of the bar. Okay. And it changes per weight class. Now um sean came in um and said that he actually doesn't think that this is as widespread a problem uh, as most people think um because there's only a, a very select few people who have that ability to arch like that mm-hmm. um so you know part of the argument they're making also is watchability and popularity of of the sport mm-hmm. uh and that that's really the bigger issue. He agrees that the, the big arches and the wide grips can hinder like just make it less relatable. And to tie it back in what Candido was saying, he said that the whole reason why we moved away from equipped lifting and all the people who support raw lifting are trying to make the sport more relatable. So if the goal is to try to make the sport more relatable, then we have to do that across the board and limit things like these intense arches and super wide grips. Um, And he agreed with, uh, Sean agreed with him for a max grip width per weight class, even though that would obviously hinder his ability to be competitive. So that is sort of the groundwork. That is the basis of what we're going to discuss. I wanna open it up super broad and choose where you wanna dive in first. Mm and then let's talk about that. Okay. So I like what what stands out to you first? Okay,
0: okay, okay. Now, I think that we're just by we're just I think they're barking up the wrong tree. I think that the issue of the arch and the grip of the bench is just so minute and trivial in the grand scheme of things when taken into account all the other issues with powerlifting and why it's not a popular sport. Like in my opinion, that's just not one of them. Like I agree with what Sean said about it, not being that prevalent of an issue. First of first and foremost, it's not that common. Like even, you know, the, some of the biggest bench presses, world records are done with a pretty traditional bench grip, like nothing extreme. So that's the first thing. Secondly.
1: Jeremy Hornstra is a good example of that.
0: Yeah. One of the best
1: benchers of all time.
0: Yeah. And Julius Maddox. Uh Massive range of motion too. Um, And so I think that in a sport like powerlifting, where the only variable that you're truly testing is strength, right? Body proportions and anthropometrics matter a lot. Like that is the difference between somebody who... Can pull a deadlift like Kaylor Woolham, and somebody that l- just looks wrong doing a sumo deadlift, uh-huh. for example, his body proportions favor the sumo deadlift, and his bi- it, it the levers and the, his biomechanics are what allows him to be so proficient in that lift. So by starting to nitpick and limit the way that people lift, you're just I like I I just don't think it's a fair solution. It's like you're penalizing somebody for that maybe developed the developed uh uh thoracic extension, more thoracic extension or that developed strength in the internal rotation position, developed strength with wrist extension. Like those are not things that you're like innately born with. You're they develop those skills to favor the way that to favor their their strength, their body mechanics, their levers so that they can lift the most amount of weight. So it's like, it's just part of the strategy and it's a strategy that everybody has access to. You know, everybody can make their wrists extend like that. Everybody can make, well, not everybody, but you know, to a certain extent, like you can all work on that. And it's just one part of the tactics and strategy of the sport that you need to be using in order to get the most out of your body proportions. And then my second argument when it comes to, when it comes to that is that, having, say having longer ar- or sorry, having shorter arms in a bench press and it, being able to be in that position with a shorter range of motion might benefit you in the bench, but it's definitely going to hinder you or it might not definitely, but it might hinder you in the deadlift, for example, and you might not be suitable for to do a sumo deadlift. So it's like you win some, you lose some, the, your body proportions are going to favor one lift and likely, um, hinder you in another. Right. So, I mean, if you if you're gonna get that nitpicky and we're gonna start, you know, changing, trying to control the way that people lift like that to me is just completely unrealistic because the way people lift and move is part of what makes somebody okay good.
1: Yeah, okay, so th- there's a few things that I want to, and
0: you should there. be able to capitalize on on your on your levers and body mechanics. It shouldn't sure. be something that you, that is taken from you.
1: Sure. Now, I think the one thing that bothers me about this, for, Well, first I want to ask you, you see two guys benching the same weight and one guy has a humongous arch and the other guy's benching like a bro. What's more impressive to you?
0: They're both equally as impressive to me.
1: Really? To me? Yeah. Not at all. If I, if I see- Yo, a-
0: have you ever tried to bench with that arch?
1: Oh, I, I appreciate that it is uh, a skill. That that is difficult. That requires time and attention, and that those guys are doing something that I'm not capable of, and that makes me angry.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, you hate him because no, you ain't him.
1: No, yeah, I mean, it, hater's look, gonna hate. If I could do it, ain'ter's gonna ain't. If I could do it under the given set of rules right now, I would do it. Right. Because it's within the rules. Okay. But I guess this argument is: should it that be within the rules? Because. Now again, if if powerlifting is specifically the sport of testing strength, now you're mixing in this other variable of who can who can manipulate their body.
0: That's not true. It's not like they're getting extra points for being able to manipulate their body.
1: Well, they are because they're. But
0: everybody is in every lift. You're manipulating your body in a way that favors your proportions to lift the most amount of weight because that is the goal. It's like you're gonna start arguing with weightlifters because they do a clean and then they open up their 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 grip really wide.
1: You no, know because, like they have to do well, that because they're not limited in in well in, in bench they're not either but here's the thing with the arch and and grip width thing is it has nothing to do with body proportions okay you're taking a guy who may have a disadvantage a disadvantage you're comparing someone with short arms who may have a disadvantage in deadlift but a an advantage in bench but okay here's this guy with extreme mobility who is getting the advantage already in deadlift who now gets this advantage in bench press when it's not a true display of strength. It's just display of being able to,
0: but it is a true display of strength in that position. Like they weren't born with strength in that position. They developed it the same way you're developing strength in your positions that you use.
1: Yeah. But I, I just don't agree that that's strength because like, OK, if somebody else could get into that position, then they would still have the strength in that position. It's not like you don't develop strength no. in that position by doing a full range of motion bench press. Those,
0: that position is not comfortable for a lot of people. That's why not a lot of people do it.
1: I agree. I just don't. Okay.
0: Everybody has access to be able to develop that position. Like, spend enough time in thoracic extension, like, grab a foam roller and, like, open up your rib cage, you know, and, like, improve your shoulder external rotation so you can get in those positions. So that's a position that's accessible to everybody. The test of strength is moving the bar from point A to part B to point B and then back to point A. Like, that's.
1: It goes back to what you're rewarding for me, though. You're rewarding, like, look, go look at the guys that, that bench that way, they have noodly upper bodies. They're not, it's, you can see they have the lower body of a horse because mm-hmm. they have to squat. You can't manipulate the squat like that. You can't manipulate the deadlift like that. You can choose sumo or conventional, but you, the bar. What
0: about the noodly guys that, that deadlift like 750 and squat like 350?
1: I've seen noodly guys do big deadlifts. I've never seen a noodly guy or girl do a big squat ever.
0: But that's not my point.
1: But I, my, my point is that you can just see in terms of muscular development, that these, the people who are benching that way are not developing the same way. Like they're just clearly not, it's not the same tact, like amount of tax taxing on the body.
0: No, I disagree.
1: Show me a jacked guy who benches with a huge arch.
0: I don't care whether they're jacked or not. That's not what we're testing. We're testing their ability to bench press. How they bench press is up to them.
1: Under the This is the argument, though, because you're making it sound like that's a very obvious answer, but it's not. That's why the whole powerlifting world is talking about it, because people. A lot no, the
0: whole powerlifting world is talking about it because because we're just nerding out about biomechanics and it just doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter if it really doesn't matter. Like everybody, no matter what sport we talk about, every player is going to have their strengths and their weaknesses, their inherent natural talents, inherent abilities that they're born with that makes them suited for that sport. You cannot try to control, you cannot make a completely even playing field. It's impossible. Like some people are going to be more favored than others in, some, in, in certain things. The thing with powerlifting is that it's very, very, very specific. So like you can't get away with a lot of things. Sure. That's the only difference, but, but in, it exists in every sport. Like talk about the guy who's more explosive than the rest. Cause he has a higher proportion of type two fibers. What should we do about that guy? Want to even the playing field, like, should we like, is he banned now? Cause he has more type two muscle fibers. It's like, everybody's going to have something or the best players are going to have something that makes them different. That makes them be able to succeed but in their sport. Uh- so, and you can't just them.
1: Okay, I get what you're punish saying. Them. But at the same time, the rules within sports are iterated continuously, right? Because mm-hmm. rules are made under, you know, whoever starts making all the rules, whatever that group is, they try to think of all the things that could make the sport shitty. And then they backtrack and they make rules to prevent all those things, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you don't nail it in round one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and an example that Candido uses: was Will Chamberlain doing a layup from the free throw line, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: clear exploitation of of the current rules so that they made a rule. They said, you can't do that. You can't cross the free throw line. Right. So, and then the sport is better for it because that's bullshit. Nobody wants to see that. No no one cares if you can do a layup from there. It's you're exploiting the rules. I think that's a very clear
0: delineation of, I think that was a very clear delineation and with a very clear solution. Whereas like here now we're talking about, it's like, then who are you or who is Johnny Candido to determine what, how much range of motion is acceptable? So like, you know, it's just so arbitrary and so again, trivial mm-hmm. that it, and it doesn't have a clear cut answer. It does not have a clear cut answer. And if we just wanted, if we focus for one second on how can we actually make powerlifting better? that's not a
1: way this is so far down the list of, so far down of what's on the list. holding powerlifting back mm-hmm. that it's nowhere near time to even address that. I agree with you 100% there.
0: And it's just not objective enough. Like you there's how much is how much would you deem acceptable? What's the range of motion that's acceptable? How far can you, what's acceptable amount of arch? Like what is an acceptable, like who is going to determine those rules? Like it's just not, it's way too gray of an area to even be discussing. Like it just doesn't seem, it, I don't think this is a conversation that's going to go anywhere because it's yeah. impossible for an entire organization. Dude, it's, it's hard enough for you and I to be on the same page. You imagine? Yeah. So imagine trying to convince an entire organization to change a rule that is... Is honestly up to the the everybody's discretion and opinion about what's acceptable and what isn't.
1: But you know what's what's interesting? Like there's debate over like sumo deadlift and versus conventional deadlift, should sumo be allowed, right? Uh-huh. And it's a split decision, but most people agree that sumo is legitimate, so it stays in the sport, right? When you talk about huge arches and stuff, 90% I I can't, this is a completely made up stat, but I was going to say 99%, but the vast majority of people, you talk to a powerlifter, Hey, what do you think about like huge arch? They'll be like, Oh fuck, you know, like looks really shitty. Don't like it. But I mean, they're technically not breaking any rules. Right. But nobody likes it. Nobody, even the guys who do it are like, yeah, I've kind of found a loophole, but you know, it fucking works for me. So I'm going to do it. You know, it, nobody is like, this is the best. This is great. We love huge arch bench presses.
0: Okay. Let, let me, let me, okay. I have a good example right now. So think about, think about a pitcher. Okay. okay? This pitcher in order to, to be able to throw a 150 mile per hour ball or
1: I think, whatever. I think that's impossible. Yeah. Okay.
0: Whatever. A hundred miles, a hundred miles. miles per hour. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to like make sure I'm making the, the right point, right? Yeah. Like I wanted to make sure it was actually fast. Yeah. Um, person throwing a hundred mile per hour ball. In order for them to do that, they need to have an absurd amount of thoracic rotation. They need to be able to rotate enough to bring their arm all the way behind their head. Their arm needs to externally rotate, not like to 90 degrees. It needs to externally rotate to 180 degrees. Like it needs to go all the way Uh to the back of their body. And then they also need to have the right proportions. Like there needs to be a big enough lever arm of the forearm in order for them to be able to chuck the ball, you know, at that speed. Right. So do you imagine if they started measuring baseball players' arm length and baseball players' range of motion to try to even out the playing field of a pitcher so that everyone pitches has the same limitations to pitch? Uh,
1: I don't think that's a good example. and I'll tell you why. So what they're testing Caesar is,
0: I'm glad you're here this is going to end up <laughs> on a fight
1: <laughs> so what they're testing for in that sport is the the pitcher's ability to throw something that that guy can not the, the batter can't hit and then what they're testing on the other end is can the batter hit a ball that's, that's being thrown that, okay. at him right right they don't care about strength of somebody's arm and if they're exploiting that like they they what they're testing is is the ball hit or not Whereas what they're testing for in powerlifting is supposed yeah, to be Yeah, but strength. whether
0: they can hit the ball or not is dependent on how fast and accurate the ball is coming at them. And how fast and accurate the ball comes at them is dependent on the pitcher's ability to get in certain positions to manipulate the ball, their body in a way that throws the ball at that speed, at that position.
1: So let me, let me give you an example that I think is better. Let's say that... Uh, you just cannot
0: control all the variables in a sport, period.
1: Well, let's say that it's like, an, a, it's a, ba- unnecessary. a baseball a pitcher starts doing a 20-foot run up to the mound, right? So he's, he's running mm-hmm. to the mound and then throws a fastball. And this adds 20 miles per hour to the, his fastball, and nobody can hit it. And it's ruining the sport. MLB would step in and say, okay, you have to be on the mound to throw a pitch. And I don't know enough about baseball, Because that probably, I'm pretty sure that's already a rule, but let's say that that was happening. They'd say, okay, nobody can hit this ball. This is ridiculous. Like this guy's obviously found a loophole. You got to stay on the mound when you throw your pitch. And that's because it makes the sport more enjoyable and it eliminates this sort of loophole of skill of of avoiding skills just to gain an advantage
0: i see how that could be a problem in baseball that's a good point that you made about like it being it ruining the sport like i'm just imagining watching a baseball game and like just nobody being able to nobody hit the ball. hits a ball that's the okay. only thing we're there for that'd be pretty that would be pretty bad but at the same time there's no real like negative consequences to somebody having a better arch than somebody else. Like I don't think it's ruining the sport at all. If anything, I think it generates controversy. I think it's it. You know, it's just. I think kind of makes the sport more interesting. I, you know,
1: it give it there. It does give something to talk about. But I think that what people what people what people don't like about it is that you're not rewarding the strongest person. You're rewarding the like, for example, if uh, that
0: applies to everything, man. It's like some people have in like really good proportions for the snatch, for example. Like they're able to have like their hips all the way down to the ground because their their femurs are long enough and they have enough external rotation and they have enough stability there to hold the snatch in that position, right? So it's like I mean, that's what makes them good at that sport. So I guess in in a sport where there's so such limited variables, your mobility, your range of like it plays that plays your proportions and mobility play a direct role in your ability to succeed in the sport. You cannot take that away from somebody because there's so few variables here.
1: So I get what you're what you're saying. It's just to
0: me, it's part of the game. It's part of the strategy. of And that's
1: that's the argument uh, that people who are in support of Arch say, right? Like, this is something you can practice. At and get better. And you know, if that is a part of the sport that's te- that is being tested, which it is, then you're just hurting yourself by not practicing and trying to get better at mm-hmm. that. Um, I guess then the, the argument just becomes whether or not that is ruining the sport and if, I don't see and it ruining the sport it, the, like at all a, but a lot of people do think that that's something that's holding the sport back there's so legit like, 10 people who are it's like that but now you're rewarding those 10 people above the majority of the sport who's actually doing it to the standard that the majority of the sport would like to see it done
0: nobody's rewarding anybody
1: well they are they're getting rewarded but when they get three white lights for moving a barbell three inches versus the guy who's moving What about the guy that moves
0: feet? a sumo deadlift for three inches?
1: A lot of people have a problem with that also.
0: So why are we going to talk about that too?
1: I mean, I don't know. Like, like maybe. Yo,
0: if somebody told me you can't sumo deadlift, like I'll quit powerlifting. Like I would say it's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Right. Well, you don't have because to. Because it's not, to me, that's not easy. Even if the bar moves one inch, that wasn't easy to move. It right. wasn't easy. I had to work so hard to figure out how to move the bar one inch
1: sure yeah it's not like you can just do a sumo and like it's a it's a skill it's,
0: it's a skill that needs to be practiced like you need to practice your mobility like just think about the first time you did a sumo deadlift your adductors were tight as fuck you could barely like get into the right position your well, back was I, like all weird it, and tight it was,
1: it was actually so detrimental to me like it, the, that sumo was so difficult to me that anytime i went heavy uh it, it would bother my quad and my, my hip flexor so much that I couldn't squat that week. Okay. So I had to stop doing sumo deadlifts. Right.
0: But then eventually like, you know, you committed a training, we committed a training cycle to working on your sumo deadlift. Yeah. And then it got your mobility got a lot better. You're, sure. you know, yeah. so it's like, that. that's what I mean.
1: Yeah. It's something you can work on for sure. Um, Let, let's, let's, yeah. let's move on to the next topic. Yeah. That was going to be, so we, we mentioned that this is so far down the list of things that are holding powerlifting back. I think we should address what some of those things are
0: yeah let's, so, let's talk about the points i brought up earlier
1: uh, the, with regard to that yeah yeah so i mean professionalism is a huge one right like if you look at any sport that's popular it's popular because of the personalities in that sport and people and, and gen pop wanting to be like the person in that sport right like i see sports and entertainment in general like movies and stuff the reason why a lot, an action movie is successful is because when you're watching Denzel do something on screen, mm-hmm. you're Denzel in your head, yeah. right? Like you're the star of that movie. You're,
0: you're, you see yourself in that person. Like you relate. Yeah, you yeah. relate to that person. You,
1: and you feel in the good hero going, role. like, yeah, if someone pointed a gun at me, I'd grab the gun and, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, like that. that's the role that people are being, are, are being put in when they watch those movies. And I think it's the same with sports, right? So that's why those larger than life personalities who are rich and famous and, you know, like like outgoing like conor mcgregor why those people become so popular and then bring so much attention to the sport right but that has to do
0: because you're getting into this the second talk the second but this has to
1: tie into with professionalism in a sense right no
0: no professionalism is something different like i'm not even i'm not even talking about the athletes at this point i'm talking about the entire powerlifting industry as a whole Uh behaving in a professional manner like you know, it's not acceptable. It's, it's not acceptable to show up to a meet as a coach, for example, wearing flip-flops and shorts and a tank top that exposes your nipples as a guy. You yeah. know, like that's not acceptable. Yeah. It's not acceptable to, it's not acceptable to like, I don't know what else is not acceptable in a powerlifting meet. What but else?
1: my point is just, okay, so this, this is, Okay, there's two parts here. So, we'll say the professionalism part first, which is, yeah, like, no shit, people are not amped to watch a powerlifting meet via professionalism because it it doesn't look like a professional event. Mm-hmm. You know, and people most, don't
0: behave in a professional way either.
1: Right. People, yeah. most, well, and... Yeah, I mean, so I,
0: we're generalizing. There's obviously meets that are very well run, that are very professional,
1: but. And there are coaches that behave very professionally. Yeah, I'm not
0: saying that that doesn't well. exist. I'm just but saying general, generally, generally speaking.
1: A, walk into a random powerlifting meet that that isn't the highest possible level meet.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: and right. people are dressed the way that you explained. Mm-hmm. They're talking about PEDs. They're right. doing like just, they're, right. they're just, yeah, they're not behaving in a professional manner. Yeah. Um,
0: then there's the broadcasting part. Then there's the, uh, the, um, sorry, not broadcasting. Then there's the, uh, production value part. Right. So, you know, like we gotta make the meats look good, like really good, especially the meats that are, that are important, that are big. Right. We have to make them look good. And then the lack of centralized events. That's the other, that's the other point.
1: Yeah. That's people don't know. Oh, in this federation you can use three meter wraps, and this one you can use two and a half. And raw equipped.
0: No, I'm saying I'm talking about no, like, lack I, of centralized just, events in, in terms of like getting the best lifters, getting all the best lifters right, together a at
1: million different federations with a million yeah. different rules, yeah. and people go in the federation that that where those rules yeah. are an advantage for them. And
0: man, we have full control over that as like individuals. If we can all get together, like the, the biggest names in the sport, if we can all get together and agree. To go to specific meets always,
1: but here's the thing: so nobody's going to do that. So the way that you have to incentivize that is money. Is money
0: right? But everything ties together. It's like we got to start behaving professionally.
1: Mm-hmm. We
0: got to start putting up events that are of high caliber. We have to start agreeing to show up to the same events, and we have to reward not only the lifters but judges that go. Like people need to be paid for their time. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 have to start behaving. Collectively, in a more professional way, and or in organizing ourselves better together. Uh-huh. So, I mean, there's there were all when I was planning the Kratos, which was the event that I wanted to make kind of that centralized uh, comp, strength comp, event competition, not only for powerlifting but for weightlifters and for strongmen. Um, when I was doing that, I spoke to well. Even just like trying to find a date for the competition was challenging because there were so many other uh, people planning, quote unquote, big meets that in their head are big. Like they think that a $10,000 cash price is a lot, Mm -hmm. you know? So what that's doing is further dividing the sport, you know? So when I was was trying to figure out, I, I actually got on the phone with several of these people who were planning competitions and I was like, look, let's do it together. You know, whatever, whatever, however much you were planning on investing on that meet, give it to me. Like, let's let's let me let me handle the event, but let's all work together towards putting this event together instead of like off, you know, all these like small little offers for lifters that that are like dividing people into competing at different times of the year, peaking at different times of the year and not showing up together at competitions. That, to me,
1: That's one big advantage that of the IPF is it's very scheduled, right? Like yeah. if you're a Canadian lifter in the CPU, sorry, in the CPU, you have provincials, provincials qualifies you for nationals, nationals qualifies you for international events, you Yeah. Know? So it's like they have a clear season on and off season, whereas powerlifting, it's just like, Oh, uh, there's a meet around the corner from me and I want to break a world record and I'm close. So I'm going to go there. Yeah. And who they don't care if it's the worst standard meet or like what the, what the deal is. And that takes away from the sport. Right. And it's tricky because. But man,
0: as a high level competitor, like if you're at the top of your, if you're at the top of the game, you should not be showing up to those meets. Agreed. Like it, out of respect for your competitors. Like when I, you know, when I choose a competition, I want to show up to the ones that are held to the highest standards and I want to show up in front of my competition face-to-face, like Mm -hmm. really out of respect. Like if I'm going to go try to work, break the world record Wilkes or a world record squad or deadlift or whatever it is, I want it to,
1: yeah, you're not going to go do it in some bum fed when nobody else is competing where, where where they can't defend their title. Right. Yeah. So
0: as far as like untested powerlifting goes, there has to be like, I hope everybody listens to this podcast genuinely. uh, And, and, and that you guys see the importance of doing so. Like you guys got to all show up to the same competitions, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Like stop showing up, stop going to like random small meets, man. Like let's just pick two or three meets in a year that we all show up to always, no matter what.
1: Okay. I want to take a second here just to give another shout out to. Our sponsor, State Classy Meats. These guys, we've been using them for quite some time now, actually, long before they were uh, a sponsor on the show. And they make some of the best stuff that I have ever had. And unlike a lot of meat companies that keep it pretty basic, you can have freaking Wagyu burgers, tomahawk steaks. You can think of it, they have it, and that can arrive straight to your door. Uh, Stay Classy sources from ranchers who are for the animals, which means they allow the animals to graze in a stress-free environment. And if you know anything about hunting or uh, eating meat in general, that is super important to the quality and the taste of the meat. Stay Classy is also committed to keeping their meat hormone and antibiotic free. So when you get this meat, you know you're just getting meat. You know exactly what's in it. They cater to athletes who require the best quality products to put in their body. Nutrition is the base of our existence. The better the quality of the inputs, the less stressed our bodies will be, and the more efficient it will run. They are all about quality, convenience, and small batch. So definitely check these guys out. Like I said, they make the best stuff. Code HYBRID in all caps will get you guys 10% off. So try some bougie burgers, try some other awesome meat, and uh, enjoy. enjoy a little discount on us. All right. Now let's get back to the episode. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah. It's tough because meats are a lot of work for individuals and because the backing, the money isn't in the, well, the money at least isn't being offered up by the federations. It's on the individuals throwing meats to, to put up money to make these, these things good. Like greatest is that's a half a million dollar event at least, right? At and that's, least. And that's what we're going to put up and we may or may not make a return on that, but mm-hmm. it's a financial risk that a lot of people are not willing to take but, right, to bring but, that level of production right, value.
0: Right. But here's what I'm saying. So as far as that goes, like if our if our if our goal is to grow the sport of powerlifting, everybody needs to do their part. So yeah, I mean, I'm willing to take on the risk and I'm willing to take on the the workload to help the sport grow and put up an event of that caliber. But then each individual lifter needs to also take responsibility and do their part, which is show show up, up, you know, show up, perform really well, behave professionally, but like, it needs to be a collective effort. Right. Um, and everybody can start like right now, like right now, cancel all the meets that you had in like backyard federations and like small meets and go sign up, go sign up for the ones that actually matter. Yeah. You know? Um,
1: but, you know, and you know, I, I think that there's, there are some people doing some good things on a, on a lower to medium level, like scale. I thought uh, the meet that Garrett fear through.
0: Yeah. That's
1: Cir- good. Uh, what was it? Circle City.
0: Yeah. I don't know. But yeah,
1: uh, yeah that was great. That, that was a great meet. Really well run. It was really well run. Professional. The live stream, live stream was, was great. Yeah they made all the efforts they could to to the judging was strict mm-hmm. they made all the efforts they could to make that a very legitimate meat. And that's awesome. But that's gotta be, that's the starting point. Yeah. Like every meat, every local meat like needs, needs to be, to be like run that. like that. And that's know. the bare minimum standard, not us being blown away that somebody actually threw a good meat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That should be what's expected. That's the bare that absolute be, bare minimum. Yeah. And then on that topic, on the topic of like popularizing the sport the other thing i mentioned was um what did i call it I uh press
1: oh media Just, yeah. yeah yeah uh yeah like media press,
0: media press, like, man, if you're going to the IPF world championships or whatever, like, how is there no media press? Like, I want to, how do you make the sport more relatable? You give people a platform, you give people a voice to, to show who they are, Just
1: right? As I said, personalities like
0: personalities make sports popular, right? Personalities do matter. I mean, you see it, you see it in sports all the time. The most popular people in a sport. Yeah. Sometimes th- sometimes the best people, like the people who are dominating are not the most popular because they they don't showcase their personality. So like as a sports fan, I want to know, man, I want to sit down with Jamal Browner and I want to be like, you know, how is your training leading to this? Like, what are you hoping to do? What was your biggest challenge? You know, who are you hoping to beat? Mm -hmm. You know, who do you not like? From the competition. Why do you not like them? You know, I don't know. Like, I want to hear from you. I want to hear what's going through your mind. I want to, I want to hear about your challenges. I want to hear about your fears. I want to hear about who you hate, who you love, because that's what makes you relatable. There's nothing, absolutely nothing relatable about a 200 pound guy that deadlifts a thousand pounds. Like that is just conceptually impossible to understand by anybody, but anybody can understand, oh yeah, man, like I have a part-time job and like, you know, my hands were tired the other day. And like, then I had to go do a four hour. I can understand that. And people can relate to that. And it's important that we, that we give athletes a voice and a platform to showcase their personalities. That's why that's another big issue. That's why everybody likes those
1: rags to riches stories, right? Like that's part of what makes Conor McGregor, you know, who he is he was like living in his mom's basement with his girlfriend. And then, you know, there's video of him being like, one day I'm going to, you know, be the biggest star in the sport. And then boom, it happens. And like, that's a great story. And there's a lot of people going through that struggle in powerlifting also. But I think like, I like using the MMA example because it is a fringe sport (laughs) that went mainstream, you know? And how do they do that through all these things that we're talking about? Like, Exploiting the personalities in the sport is so important. That's why for two months leading up to a fight, like look at the McGregor Poirier fight that's about to happen. Every time I go on my phone, there's some new thing about Connor said this about Dustin Poirier or Dustin Poirier said this. And like they do press conferences, they do all these things that put the personalities out there Mm -hmm. and you see the growth and change of the athletes over time. Right. You watch a, a thing now, if you've been along for the whole ride, you've seen Conor McGregor go through his crazy stage and everybody was like, Oh, this guy's gone too far. Like the fame got to him. He's, you know, whatever. And now he's like changed into this sort of like more respectful person. And you've been along for the whole journey, but if you don't know what the story is, you can't be along for the whole journey. So mm-hmm. it's like right now it's been 100% up to the individuals, you know, cause, yeah. cause it's the UFC that's doing all of that stuff. Right. Yeah. And to carry that same thing over to powerlifting it would have to be the USPA that's doing it or the USAPL, if you're competing tested. To bring that sort of media backing, but they're not doing it. So that's what the additional challenge is it's going to be on people like us to try to bring that level of uh, entertainment value, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I also I would hope that, you know... It's unfair for all the responsibility, I guess, to fall in one person, although I, I personally want to take on that responsibility because I, I think I'm qualified and I think I can, I can do a lot of good for the sport in that sense. But if anybody listening to this has any sort of resources that would be of value to a powerlifting meet and you're willing to make an investment, like I'm not saying doing it for free, but you know. Offering your services and your expertise to us or other people who are hosting these meets
1: or a federation
0: or a federation. Yeah. For just for the, for the development, for the betterment of the sport that goes a long way. Any sort of, you know, people that are in media, like maybe you're a videographer, maybe you're an audio technician, maybe you're an event planner. If you're listening to this and you want to, and you love the sport of powerlifting, you want to continue seeing it grow, reach out to us. Uh, We'd love to help.
1: Yeah. And if not for one of our meets for another one, that's, that
0: is being run by people who
1: has a similar, uh, motivation.
0: Yeah. Anyway, where are we at?
1: So that's kind of, that was one point. The last point that I wanted to talk about is, um, let's, let's pretend that we are in agreement that arch is a problem. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or that like range of motion and bench press is a problem. All right. So put on that hat. Okay. Recommendations that Candido had for that was to limit the grip width per weight class. So, if you're a 74 kilo lifter, you have a certain grip width maximum. You're 83 kilo lifter, certain grip width maximum, mm-hmm. and so on and so on. Right? Gets bigger the heavier your your weight is. Mm-hmm. So, let's discuss some of the limitations of that recommendation.
0: Okay, you made some good points. So why don't you start?
1: Sure. Bodies come in all shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. You can have two people who are in the 74 kilo weight class, one with stubby little arms, one with super long arms. That maximum grip width is really going to impact the person with super long arms. So you're putting this guy at a further disadvantage. Whereas where I think. I think grip width is the last thing that people should mess with. Yeah. Look, arch. I I can I don't know what the solution to arch is necessarily because there's always going to be a gray area unless you're measuring people's arch with a ruler every time they go. Man, but, I think on, I. Uh, but grip width clear like a grip width limit per weight class clearly disadvantages certain body types and that makes the sport even less relatable because now you're just going to reward everyone who already has an advantage in bench press by having stubby arms mm-hmm. by allowing them to reach a mat a max width grip that might be proportionally ridiculous. And then this tall guy has to do like what's considered what's going to be like a narrow bench for mm-hmm. him. So I think that's a huge limitation. You what were you gonna say?
0: Yeah, no, I was gonna say Yep, yeah, I absolutely agree with that point. And yeah, it it's just you can't really limit somebody's somebody's uh bar width or grip based on your body weight mm-hmm. like those two just are not proportional to each other you
1: know what I mean you would have to do it if you are going to do some sort of grip width limitation this would be extremely difficult to do That's what I mean but it would only make sense to do it Based off a of proportion of your wingspan. Dude,
0: do you so imagine you doing me- that? Do you imagine doing that measuring at the, at the uh, weigh-ins or whatever? And, well, then the other You're thing gonna is to how to do get, you... You're going to have to get like all mathematician and shit. Uh, we I- can barely figure out what a person's rack height is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How many times does that get messed up in a meeting? Exactly. But but let's say that you How many could, times do they
0: put the wrong weight on the bar? Do you imagine?
1: If you could get Dude. somebody's wingspan and then find the correct proportion, right? Like it's it's a factor of, of how long your wingspan is, your span. How would you even make it hold that standard in the meat? You're going to draw, draw on the bar a different color for each lifter. Like it's this, it's impossible.
0: I think if, I think if anything, you could maybe control the amount of surface area of your upper back that stays on the bench. Cause like, have you seen, for example, Brian from the gym, Uh like it's like literally his shoulder blades, his, his the spine of his scapula is on the bench only like the top
1: of his shoulder that what What do you mean how
0: do you monitor that you can see from a side like how much of your upper back you can the the rule is that your butt needs to be touching the the bench right and your feet need to be on the ground Mm -hmm. like that's the rule so okay your entire upper back needs to be on the bench
1: how how do you determine where the exact point where somebody's upper back ends are you kidding me
0: there's there's thoracic spine segments like we can say from c1 until t7 that needs to be on the bench and it's it's an it's a range. You can see how much of each back each person has. You just got to make sure that it's on the bench same thing as your
1: butt. That's an impossible standard to uphold.
0: That's not true.
1: That's completely impossible. What and are
0: you talking about? And that can, How is that impossible? Because look. It's like 100% objective.
1: How, we can barely make correct depth calls and you want people by vertebrae to uh, judges to analyze by virtue. Bro,
0: you bro. Your upper back needs to be on the bench. I know the upper back needs to be on the bench.
1: It's too, it's too much gray area. It's the same problem that we're having. No, I disagree. I, I would love anyone. Do listening you just to fucking this? love disagreeing no, with me. It's I, unbelievable. I would love anyone listening. Please. If, when you screenshot this episode, um, make sure that you say your point on this topic. Cause I'm really curious. Or
0: you can think. say your shoulder blades need to be in complete contact with the bench. The entire shoulder blade area,
1: and then what? Like there's movement, right? Like that's why the- yeah, it
0: needs to touch the bench at all hold points. On,
1: hold on. That's why in in bench press, there's no ar- argument for how much of your butt needs to be on the bench because it's impossible to to make that evaluation of how much butt is supposed to be on the bench. It's just if your butt stays on the bench, even a millimeter of your butt, as long as your butt is touching the bench, still. That counts. And it's that way for a reason, right? It goes back to why CrossFit standards are the way that they are. You have to make them as simple as possible to enforce.
0: So you say the bottom of your shoulder blade needs to be touching the bench. Like the bottom of your upper back needs to be touching the bench at all times. That's what I'm trying to say.
1: I get what you're trying to say, but like.
0: You can't just be on the top of your shoulders.
1: That was so annoying. (laughs) Sorry.
0: You can't just be on the top of your shoulders when you're benching.
1: Yeah. I just don't think that you're going to have people being able to accurately determine where, like, people don't know that stuff. Upper back, mid back, low back. It's not. It's the same thing as hip crease, to the top of the knee. And we already have problems with this. Yeah, with and we that, already have problems with that. This so that
0: I'm worse. saying, okay, I'm saying this is not a problem. So I'm right now. I'm entertaining Candido's okay. point. Yeah, yeah. That how are we gonna fix it? If we're gonna fix it somehow, you can't limit people's arm based on their weight. That's not a solution. I agree with that. If anything you can try to have people adhere to the same standard of how of having your upper back completely on the bench. Like that's at all times. That's the easiest way to do it.
1: Yeah, I just don't think that you're going to be able to accurately determine what that is. Okay, well I agree to disagree. Yeah, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that one. I'd love to hear other people's thoughts though because if you think that um, a random USA a USPA judge is going to be able to determine the correct amount of vertebrates that are on the bench by looking at you from the side. I think you're friggin' dreaming. Um, but I did see some recommendations that are that could work. And it's not by limiting the position that somebody gets in, but limiting how you allow people to get into those positions.
0: OK, you know. OK. You know why that's not actually a good argument? Why? Because people will adapt to that as well. So. Yeah, they've been doing it a certain way for X, Y, Z, how many years? They've gotten that position through putting their feet on the bench, holding on to the rack, you know, contorting themselves. So you can say, all right, none of that. You know, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. And then what you, What do you think is going to happen? People are going to find another way to get into the same position. I promise you that.
1: I don't think so because I think there's...
0: It's not physical, impo- physically impossible to get in that
1: position. There's a point at which active at like active movement is limited. You can only actively using your, your muscle and your own body get into a certain range of motion, right? That's why limiting these, these things that I'll mention in a second, keep you within a natural range instead of being able to force your body into a range you couldn't otherwise get into. So some of the recommendations I saw here, this is by Pete Spence. I just saw this was a repost on King of the lifts, but he made, I thought some good points. To limit, if you want to limit arch, which I actually think is the problem because they showed in the, in, um, even though grip width is, is maybe makes a a bigger difference. I don't think anyone's going to complain about grip width. When you see somebody with a flat back on the bench, like general population, their argument was watchability, but to, so to fix arch ban touching of the uprights, that's, you see a ton of people, they set themselves up on the bench and then they put their hands on the uprights of the rack and they jam themselves they push themselves even further into extension fan lifters from putting their feet on the bench another good recommendation you see a lot of lifters when they're jamming themselves in they walk their feet up the bench forcing themselves into this more extended arch position and then the last one i like i think these are all great points Require the lifter to keep their butt on the bench from the moment they touch the bar, right? So you see a lot of people, they set their back, they pick up the weight off of the rack, and then their butt's still off the bench. They use their legs to wedge themselves in and wedge their butt in while they're already holding the weight. And then they do the lift. And I think limiting those things, those three things, it will do way more. For making the bench press more relatable, if that's the goal, then... Uh,
0: Fuck making the bench relatable. That's I, not how you make people buy into the sport, bro. You make people buy into a sport through making the people in the sport more relatable. Not through... Dude, there's nothing relatable about top performance in any sport. Like, how is it relatable to watch a Red Bull athlete jump from the top of a 10,000 meter fucking spring into the ocean? Because there's nothing relatable about that.
1: It's not, it's a different type of relatability, right? Like you, you've jumped off something before and that's, ex- and it's extremely impressive to see the guts it takes. You know the ability the proprioception all the stuff that doing a million flips through the air from a cliff takes you can be like wow that's a really hard thing to do right you can look at somebody doing a regular bench press you know with a flat back and be like i understand that and then you add in this variable (laughs) and then you're all confused you're like oh
0: what's going on there's way too much arch you're so confused now it's not relatable what are you talking then about?
1: And then you add in another factor of Arch that ninety-nine percent of the population cannot achieve. And how many now, people on. can achieve that jump? Now you but you're introducing a factor people don't understand. How much does what arch is there help? not to understand? How much does Arch help? What like how does that affect the lift? People don't know. They've never been in that position. Nobody you can't just hop into a gym and then do a Sean Noriega arch as a as a gen pop person and be like, oh, this is how much it helps. Now I understand powerlifting. What happens is people watch the sport. They watch somebody doing a huge arch, and they go, "That guy's a pussy. He he's doing a, a shitty." Very. I don't agree with this, by the way, but this is what general pop people look think. They go, "That guy's a pussy. He looks skinny. He's he's clearly just doing this ridiculous thing to lift the most, and he's not actually a strong." guy. Yeah, bad.
0: they're uneducated on the sport. They're uneducated on the variables on the variables that that. On the things that make you good at the sport. But They're you, uneducated. You need to ca- so educate them.
1: No, but you need casuals to have entertainment value without education. That's what makes any sport yeah, popular. But,
0: but I don't think the arch is going to make the sport. I don't think eliminating the arch is going to make the sport more popular and more relatable. I don't even think it's a conversation we should be having.
1: I mean. I, I. I don't agree that it doesn't make it more relatable. I think that like. I think that the more. Jim Broe, you can make it, like through regulation, the more people are going to understand it. Because if you talk to anybody outside of powerlifting, they think that it requires zero strength to do that type of bench press. But that's
0: I d- your assumption. You're assuming that.
1: No, that's my experience talking to people who have seen that. Go show.
0: So, same for people that think that sumo is easy and that is cheating it's the same they're uneducated they don't understand the demands of the movement they don't understand how body proportions affect it they don't understand what it takes to train those proportion those uh that movement in that position it's they they just don't get it like how many people have said oh yeah okay you deadlift a lot but how much can you conventional deadlift
1: right but i guess that's it's
0: there, the same exact thing
1: there's a difference between ignorance of understanding like the science which is the what is happening with sumo and conventional, right? It's a trade-off of, of things. You, it is not inherently easier to do a conventional deadlift or a sumo deadlift, just different styles favor different body types. Whereas being able to cut range of motion in bench press by 50% or more is a clear advantage, period. That's the argument that's being made. And I mean, I I think you make some really good points. I think you make some really good points about how it's really not that important of a thing. Like, I think that at some point, how my opinion differs from yours, I think at some point that rule is going to need to be reworked if everybody has as much of a problem with it as they do still at that time. But there are so many other things that we can address prior to diving into that that I think it's not worth our energy right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I think as a sport, let's work on professionalism. Let's work on unifying everybody into important meets. Let's, you know, let's clean up the image of the sport and make it and make these and use the personalities that are in the sport. Because there are some, you know, there are some really interesting, crazy people out there. People that people love, people that people love to hate. And if we can showcase that, I think that does way more for the sport than dicking around with what makes a bench press a bench press mm. um, on that note I think we covered everything that we wanted to talk about so uh, i really interested on what everyone else's opinion is on this so if you're listening to this episode don't forget um, we're still doing the monthly contest screenshot the episode tag me tag Steffi tag hybrid unlimited um, tell us what you think about this topic What do you agree with that I said what did Steffi say Or what do you agree with it? Steffi said, um, doing that will automatically enter you in a raffle to potentially win an entire drop from Hybrid Legacy, which is the dopest apparel in the game, in my extremely biased opinion. But if you don't believe me, go check it out at hybridlegacybrand.com or click uh, the links in any of our uh, related profile bios. And thank you guys for listening.